and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is a snowy Wednesday, March 21st, first day of spring, 2018. And if you're in New York City, wow, it doesn't look like spring. We're in the middle of our fourth nor'easter of the month, and it's unbelievable. Um, It just keeps snowing. And the the pattern, the nor'eastern pattern, kind of swirls along while the storm moves up the coast. So we're trying to just stay sitting there in this snowstorm, and it just keeps swirling and swirling and swirling. And everybody in New York is antsy and they want baseball and they want springtime and they want to play golf. And our guest tonight, Dean Slider, he's, he's out in Venice beach playing his ukulele, riding his Vespa. (laughs) And we're going to bring him on in a little bit. Uh, Do you live in fear? A lot of us do. A lot of us live very reactive lives. So we've got the perfect book and the perfect guest for you. Uh, Dean's going to come on, Dean Slider, and uh, his new book is called Living Beyond Fear, Anxiety, Anger, and Addiction. Uh, Fearless, it's called. Fearless. And uh, it's terrific. And uh, he's an excellent writer, and he's a very engaging personality. And uh, we'll have him on in a couple of minutes. Let's, let's get into what's going on. This is Guys Guys Radio. This is uh, podcast number 268. And uh, we're doing another Wednesday show. What I've done is I've gotten so much feedback and so many guests lined up that I've added an extra date. So Two Sundays per month. We're going to start with two Sundays every month. We're going to do our Sunday special. We did one with uh, Scott McKay, a relationship uh, coach, on Sunday. And we're going to do another one uh, with a movie producer this Sunday. And we've got Dean tonight. And then going forward, uh, we'll do two a month. And uh, we're going to be doing our Guys Guys Guide once a week instead of uh, on Sunday and on Wednesday. We're just going to do it on Wednesday. So we'll uh, do a little bit of Guys Guys News. We'll uh, bring on our guest, and then we'll do our Guys Guys Guide this evening, and, uh, and then we'll wrap. So let's talk about what's going on. This is Guys Guys Radio, the place where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. Better men, better world. We have our Nor'easter, as I mentioned, first day of spring. What's going on out in society? It's just nuts. I was taking notes, like, what do I want to talk about today? And it's, things are so crazy, and the news is so topsy-turvy that I've got a couple things to cover. Let's start with the pleasant stuff. This is the time of year where people love to fill out their brackets. It's the NCAA men's uh, basketball tournament. We've got the uh, women's going on also. We're down to the Sweet 16 for the men. Uh, my alma mater, Villanova, has moved on. Uh, fingers crossed. They look pretty solid. They have a pretty good route to the Final Four. They're going to play West Virginia on Friday night. We'll see what happens from there. Kentucky's in there. Syracuse is in there. Virginia got knocked out. Duke is in there. Kansas is alive. So we've got some classic teams in there. And then we've got uh, Loyola, Chicago, I believe, is in there, and Nevada. And we've got some uh, upstart teams, which is good. Gonzaga's in there again. Uh, So it'll be fun. Michigan is alive. So it's going to be a fun weekend. And by the end of the weekend, we'll be down to the final four. And uh, there's some good teams. So uh, that'll, that'll be fun. Uh, in the NBA, we've got four of the Golden State Warriors starters are hurt. And it's right before the playoffs, just when everybody was writing off LeBron James and his kind of new, new reconfigured Cavaliers. 
uh, even though they're not playing that well, uh, maybe they got a shot. The East is weak in the NBA for the most part. There's some injuries on Boston also. Toronto looks strong, though. But uh, when you get out West, you've got Houston playing extremely well. And you've got the Warriors, but the Warriors are having some injury problems. So we'll see what happens. It seemed like a foregone conclusion that the Warriors would just coast. But maybe that won't be the case. We'll have some drama. We'll see. Major League Baseball, we're still in spring training. I can't believe it, but in about 10 days, they're going to be playing even less, I think, maybe nine days. Uh, They're going to have opening day or opening evening, and uh, there'll be a couple of games. And then the season's just going to get going. And uh, wow, the weather better change. You know, I was interesting. I was looking at the weather forecast for the next 10 days. It's all like 30s, 40s here in the Northeast in New York. And I, wow, it must be even colder in Boston, Chicago. I'm sure it'll be cold. The pattern has not changed. It's like the season's going backwards now. It's like going back into February. It's just we've had a topsy-turvy winter and it just keeps going. So, but, you know, things will eventually turn around, then it'll bloom and everybody will be happy here in New York City once again. <laughs> Uh, What else is happening out there? We've got, you know, it's interesting, the marketing job that the NFL does. Everybody on talk radio, all the sports radio and on all the sports center and Fox and all these sports debate shows, they're all talking about the NFL draft and the Jets trading up to number three and everybody wants a quarterback and there's all these work, private workouts and combine stuff and all this. I was looking like, wow, when's the draft? The draft is until I think it's like April 27th, something like that. So it's, it's like five, almost six weeks away, and it's still front and center on the news. That's the power of the NFL brand. Even with all of their the talk with the concussions and the kneel downs and all their controversy that they've had, it's still a mighty, mighty marketing machine, the NFL. People love to watch it, and the game's built perfectly. When you look at it on TV, it just fits. The football field fits on the TV screen. And it's uh, a lot more fun to watch on TV than, than baseball. Once you get into like the playoffs and the World Series, baseball is a lot of fun. And going to a baseball game is great. But uh, it's hard for today's audience. Everybody's got the attention span of a gnat to sit there for three hours and watch uh, the, you know, the pitcher rub the ball and uh, you know, uh, rub his uh, forearm across his uh, brow to get the sweat off uh, for six months of that. So people in the younger crowd, they're like, what? But uh, once once they get into the playoffs in the World Series, we've had some uh, excellent games last year. So we'll see what happens. And there's uh, high hopes for the New York Yankees. And there's some super teams in baseball. I think the Yankees, the Houston Astros, the L.A. Dodgers, the Chicago Cubs, the Boston Red Sox are all going to be very strong. So we'll see what happens there. Should be some great competition. Um, I like to talk about uh, there's a, bad, a lot of other bad stuff going on with this Austin bombing. That's some new kind of random bombing thing now and then the guy blew himself up and there's been another shooting the school and it's just crazy crazy behavior and i don't know what's behind it um if it's the do you blame it on the mass media do you blame it on fear we'll ask dean about that i think it's all part and parcel to what's going on but it's just terrible um also, we have with the whole Me Too movement, you know, if you check the papers, this is not going away. This is the tip of the iceberg. Today, I read about Fred Savage, Robin Williams, Ed West, Westwick, and, and also the Korean film is, industry, all under the gun, all under siege for male sexual harassment. It's just bad news. And it's, it's you know, the, the risk is that it's going to paint men in a broad negative brush. And that's it's not good because... 
what should happen is the the good guys, the guys guys out there who have casual confidence and unassuming strength and seductive integrity and emotional intelligence and timeless style and who are a lot of fun, they don't leverage their positions to take advantage of women. They don't bully them in the workplace. They're not emotional terrorists with women. They, they, they should be getting uh, shout outs uh, instead of uh, having a duck for cover right now, because uh, really uh, the bad guys have really given guys a, a bad name. And that's a shame. And uh, I think we're going to see more and more. And I think the end result will be good. But in the meantime, I think guys have to lay low a little bit. Uh, the guys who are behaving uh, have to lay low because uh, you don't want to get painted with that broad brush. And uh, women are upset and they feel like they have a, a, a well-deserved voice now more than they ever have. And uh, it's it's good. But, uh, you know, some guys will be accused of stuff they haven't done, but a lot of guys will get accused of stuff that they have done. So we just have to put up with it and uh, see what happens. And you take these things individually um, and the truth will come out. I like to do a segment called Guys, Guys, Guide at this point every week um, at about 709, and I either do a guys guy or an anti-guys guy. And all of the characteristics that I just mentioned about guys guys, um, we try to pick some people out who are uh, doing some good things. So I, I, let me just throw a couple of anti-guys guys of uh, the week at you. Um, this company, Cambridge Analytics, uh, Wow. When we had the CEO talking about his practices of some of the skullduggery they're pulling with the uh, data, not good, not good. Also, uh, Facebook really under the gun and well-deserved because uh, they, they, they have not been minding the store and they're so big and they, they need to do a better job of that. So maybe they'll pull Mark Zuckerberg in front of Congress and they'll have to uh, squirm around in this chair and say, I'm sorry. A little bit uh, that would not be a bad thing but um, I'm going to say that this week's guys guy of the week is uh, is senator and I don't like to get political but John McCain uh, the senator he's gotten a lot of slings and arrows from the president and before we was president also about you know he doesn't like POWs because they got caught and uh, this crazy stuff like that. And McCain basically came out and said uh, when Trump called and congratulated uh, Vladimir Putin of Russia for winning his election, which we know is uh, kind of a joke. Um, so McCain said, uh, I quote, an American and on Twitter, an American president does not lead the free world by congratulating dictators on winning sham elections. This insulted every Russian citizen who was denied to write the right to vote and a free and fair election. So for that, we're going to give John McCain for stepping up and he's got inoperable brain cancer now. So he's just hanging on and uh, we send him our prayers and hope he's, uh, you know, he makes his transition at the right time for him. We thank him for his service in the military and also in the Senate. I don't agree with all of his uh, opinions and positions, but I think he has integrity I think he's a guy's guy for the most part. So thank you, Senator, for that. And with that, it is 7-Eleven. We're going to take a super quick break, and then we're going to bring on our special guest, Dean Slider. And welcome back to Guys Guys Radio. This is Robert Manny, your host. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest, uh, Dean Slider. He's been on the show a couple times before with other books. Um, he has taught natural methods of meditation and awakening throughout the U.S. and beyond since 1970. 
And that's going way back in the way back machine before meditation was, uh, uh, you know, on everybody's lips. Dean was not always only doing it. Uh, he was uh, teaching it from colleges, yoga studios, corporate offices, and even, which is very cool, and we'll talk to him about this, maximum security prison. He's known for his warm, funny, down-to-earth style. Uh, authentic, life-transforming teachings are accessible and easy, which I can attest to. His books, uh, we've had him on the show to talk about natural meditation. It won a Nautilus Award for Best Book in the Body, Mind, and Spirit Practices. He's been all over national media, Times, NPR, Coast to Coast. I guess he was with George Norrie on that. Uh, oh, he's been uh, he's just written up in O Magazine on uh, something about the new book we'll get into. And he also, as can be seen, as his bio says, playing the ukulele and happily riding his Vespa throughout the streets of Santa Monica. Maybe not Venice, but Santa Monica. So let's, uh, let's bring him on right now. Good evening, Dean. How are you? Good evening, Robert. I'm great. And just to be clear, I live in the edge of, of uh, Santa Monica, about two blocks from Venice. So you can pretty yeah. much flip a coin and take it either way. Well, it's a great area, and I, I wish I was there. I wish a lot of a lot of New Yorkers wish they were where right now there right now because wow we're getting whacked and as we always do but right. this is late because this is uh, springtime so anyhow let's talk about your new book Fearless Living Beyond mm-hmm. Fear Anxiety Anger and Addi- uh, an Addiction Addiction Pardon me mm-hmm. and uh, I went through it and I think it's terrific and uh, I think it's very timely what what was your inspiration for tackling the subject of uh, fear right now. Well, you're right. It is timely, you know, to the, the political situation, the, the kind of crisis moment for me and for a lot of people was November of 2016, November 8th, we all remember right. it. And, and whichever side, you know, your politics happens to fall on, um, you know, and as a meditation teacher, I've always made a point of not taking political positions, but, but this is not a political issue. This is a mental health issue. Uh, yes. You know, we've, we've sort of Training. always been on this, this roller coaster. We've been in the, it, it's been crazy town. Uh, and, uh, uh, and people, you know, people are lining up to at the psychologist's office. When I go to college campuses, uh, what the college, uh, the, the counselors tell me is that the word they keep hearing from students is anxiety. It, it's mm-hmm. just become like an epidemic. It's like it's in the drinking water. Yeah, it's like eager is a good thing. Anxious is not a good thing. And I, people, I think a lot of modern <laughs> right. folks get those two confused. Um, right. So um, you talk about your origin of fear going back to your own personal experience in, uh, playing softball after school. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about that little tipping point for you. Right, right. Well, I like I, that I story. Would, yeah, it, it, it was actually not after school. I didn't stick around for any – I didn't do any sports. I didn't have to. Or was, at the you know, recess was, or whatever. This was, it, right, in recess and, you know, that horrible ritual. I don't know if they still do this. I hope not. But in my day, they would, you know, choose they, – they, they'd get the two best jocks in whatever you – know, right, the, right. the fifth grade. And then they would take turns picking – guys for the team until it got to the slow fat guy and the, the, the skinny uncoordinated guy. And I was the skinny uncoordinated guy. It was that just that ritual was so humiliating. And I, I just was someone that 
you know, they put me way out in right field and hoped that the ball didn't come to me. And I was hoping the same thing because I was, and that's a phrase, you know, oh, he's scared of the ball. He's scared of the ball. Right, the ball exactly. comes at him, he, mm-hmm. he flinches. And, and that was me. And um, then I would go into the classroom where I had no fear. I was, you know, I, w- I was an A student. But I'd see the guys who were the captains of the team trying to hide, trying try hoping that the teacher didn't send a, a, a question across their desk, you know, the same way that the, that the ball would come across the field at me. And I realized, oh, okay, they are flinching at that in the same way that I flinched at the ball. So, mm-hmm. so there's a kind of an insight here that that's, it's a universal human thing. It's this, we, we, different people will have it in different situations, but it's the same feeling, the same thing where your palms go sweaty, your mouth goes dry, your, your heart is beating, your heart is pounding, the room is starting to, to, to right. twirl around you. And for some people, it's when you're having to get up in front of a group to talk. For some people, it's when you're, you really, really like this person, you want to ask them on a date. For some people, it's you're, you're in the job interview, but it's a universal human thing. And fortunately, there are these simple meditative methods, we can call them. Some, some, bit, uh, some of it involves actually sitting with your eyes closed for a few minutes, but some of it is stuff to do right in the thick of things while you're walking up to the microphone to help cool your jets, to help switch the neurological situation so that your sympathetic nervous system isn't kicking in and and turning on all that fight-or-flight stuff, and you bring in the parasympathetic nervous system, which cools things down. Uh, let's uh, dig into that a little bit because yeah, I know you are big into uh, breathing and it is so important how we breathe and when we breathe. And some right. say some of the uh, Buddhist uh, tradition says, you know, the, somebody's life is measured and how many breaths they take. So you want to take those right. long, relaxing breaths. Um, how, <laughs> yep. how, as, how do you incorporate breath and breathing into dealing with a situation uh, such as what you just mentioned? You're walking up to the front of the room and you're going to speak in front of people. How do you, right. what do you do? Right. right. Well, there's, there's a few things. One of them, and actually you mentioned that uh, an excerpt from the new book just went up on uh, Oprah.com. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that through excerpt feet, is right? called, yeah, Breathe Through Your Feet. And it's really, really simple. I like simple. I did and, it, and, and it's and, great. Yeah, yeah. And, and people listening to this can, can do this right now. Whether you're sitting at home or whether you're driving, a lot of meditative methods, don't do this while you're driving the car, but this you can do well, even while you're driving. Very simply, as you breathe in, imagine you're breathing in through the soles of your feet. And as you breathe out, breathe out through the soles of your feet. doesn't matter whether your breath is shallow or deep, fast or slow. Don't worry about that. That will take care of itself. Just breathing in through your feet, the soles of your feet, breathing out through the soles of your feet. Now, a point that I make again and again in the book is you have to do the fire drill before the fire. So you want to practice these things at a time when, you know, things are pretty well going along fine. Then when something hits the fan, when someone cuts you off on the the interstate and you're about to go into some really – scary, stupid road rage situation. Instead, you know you've got the reflexes or has been practiced. Wait a minute. Just take a moment to breathe through my feet, and you'll see that that 
calms things down, and it gives you some space so you're not caught up in the anger. You're not caught up in the situation. Some space to think clearly and see, okay, what's, what's my smartest next move here that's going to take care of me and take care of the other people in the situation? Yeah, it sounds like because um, uh, a lot of people think meditation, you just have to kind of blank out. And it's not really that. You, you could actually focus on something. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you could just focus on your breathing. And what it does is it gets you away from thinking about other stuff. And if a thought comes by, it's like a cloud in the sky, whatever. But I noticed when I started breathing through my feet, immediately I switched my attention away from whatever was bothering me. And I just was getting into the flow. And I could actually um, physically feel feel it coming feet, even though obviously the oxygen itself was going in and out of my lungs, I right. was intending the energy to come up through my feet and then out again. And it just shifted the uh, yeah. paradigm of what was, was of my reality, if you will. Yeah. And actually there is some physical reality in this method. There's some kind of, there's been some research indicating that the tendons in your feet connect they have some really? connection that goes, I don't know the details of it, but it connects all the way up to your diaphragm and up to the base of your tongue. So that wow. when, mm-hmm. when, yeah, so that when well, you're I know breathing, from you know, reflexology, the, the, the soles of the feet are super important, important right. and connected to different organs, etc. So it makes perfect right. sense that breathing through your feet would right. do have a similar effect. Right. You now, talk about another, the, go ahead. Go, go. Yeah, another breathing technique which I talk about in the book is uh, some people may have learned this in yoga class where they call it ujjayi breath, but I like to make everything plain American, so I call this Darth Vader breath. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows I, I know how Darth Vader breathes. Yep. You know, right. there's that constriction in the back of your throat that makes this kind of raspy sound. Right. Yeah. That little hiss. And yeah. It, right. Now, Yogis for thousands of years have known that if you breathe this way, again, it cools your jets. Things yep. become calm. They become settled. They didn't know why. Now we know why. It turns out that when you do that little constriction, and you don't strain to do it, just a slight constriction, that when you do that, that stimulates the vagus nerve, which is actually a pair of nerves. They're the longest nerves in the autonomic nervous system, and they go from the base of the brain down to the diaphragm where your breathing takes place. And the stimulating the vagus nerve like that turns off the sympathetic nervous system, which drives fight or flight syndrome and switches on the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the opposite of fight or flight. It's like, you know, stay in play mm-hmm. syndrome. So it's a very simple thing. And you can be doing that as you're walking up to the microphone, as you're, you know, trying to get up your courage to ask the girl for the date uh, and a couple of breaths like that, and, and you'll feel it. It's, it's not just a matter of, oh, I'm going to take a positive attitude. You have to switch the physiology. You have to switch neurologically the way your system is functioning. Hey, Dean, somebody, uh, we got a call. I didn't put the number up or anything, but do you want to take a chance and uh, connect the call? Sure. All right, let's see what they say. Good evening. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. Who, who am I speaking to, and what's your question for Dean? My name is Joe from Chapel Hill. Hi, Joe. And my question, yeah, hello. My question is, if, is there a research that you found that if you have a crippling fear or, or of success from when you were younger, uh, what, what have you heard about 
ways to conquer that fear and kind of get over it. In my case, it's a thing where I didn't finish a master's degree, and I'm wondering if there's some type of uh, something that's blocking me and if you could suggest some type of way I can get over that. Mm-hmm. Well, in this case now, you're asking about a particular object of fear. In this case, you know, the fear of success connected with the, the not having finished the degree program. The, there has been a lot of research on fear and on overcoming our fears. The particular content of it really doesn't matter that much. You know, as I said, my fear when I was a little kid was all out in the playing field. Other people's fears were in the classroom, but the ways to deal with it are about the same. You do these, these meditative methods, such as the things we mentioned with the breath. Uh, I also talk about how to actually most effectively sit down for a few, five, ten minutes a day with your eyes closed and just sink into this deep, silent place within in what we call natural meditation. Um, other kinds of, of approaches, one that I really like, and I do this every morning. I've got a chapter about this called Finding Your Fearless Voice. I like to do this every morning in the shower, which is to sing what in music is called a descending fifth. And you would know it from the beginning of the national anthem. Oh, say, right? Ah, or Flintstones, or Blue Moon, right? Right? Okay. Uh-huh. Everyone must know at least one of those songs. So that's what's called a fifth. And it, the other place that some people will know this from is church, which because it's amen. That's because that the mathematics and the physics and the 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 neurology of that particular musical interval is such that it helps to settle everything out again. It has a meditative effect on the nervous system. So this, so again, you have to do the fire drill before the fire. You can do the descending fifths in the, the shower every morning. Do it when you're sitting at the red light instead of sitting there gripping the wheel harder trying to make the red light turn green faster, which you may have noticed never works. Instead, sit back, breathe out. Ah, and and, do, and doing that each day just kind of helps ground you and get you so that you're ready to take on whatever it is that you're taking on. Yes, whatever it is. So then that way, when you're sitting there saying, "Okay, I'm trying to get up the 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 nerve to commit and register for the course and complete my master's degree or whatever it is," then instead of getting stuck in your nervous system and getting stuck in overthinking, your nervous system works. It's like having the car's engine running cooler. There's less static, less noise, more clear signal. You know which thoughts to listen to and which ones are just, you know, fear talking to itself. Does that help you, Joe? Thank you so much for that. Hey, Joe, let me ask you so much. Let me me ask you a question if it's okay with you. Um, just out of curiosity, mm-hmm. why why is it? Because I have a master's and I went at, I went at night. I had to take sixty credits. I was an English major undergrad, and I was in a marketing job. And everybody else had a had a Wharton MBA, and I'm like, I better get an MBA. So I went at night. I had to get sixty credits. I went for three years in a row, and I still 
and I got it, but I still have dreams where I have to, I didn't finish a course. I didn't hand a paper in whatever these anxiety <laughs> dreams. I still have that. What, what, why do you think that you have kind of uh, how far off are you from your masters and why do you think you've kind of held back at this point, Joe? Well, I, I have to, all I have to do, I've been teaching 23 years and all I have to do is prepare four thematic units of 10 days each. So it's like four weeks worth of lessons and something's keeping me from, like, my degree isn't in education, so I kind of, it's you know, I have a specific degree in Spanish, and so I've been, you know, so I don't have a lot of background in planning. Planning is my, actually my weakness, but I love being in the classroom. And so for me, I, it's, uh, the idea of just putting something together, I think that there, it never makes me, think there's something inside me that doesn't think it's ever going to be good enough. And then when I have wonderful realizations that everyone, like my mentors and people are on my side, then it gives me some motivation, but I never follow through with it. So it kind of, it kind of just stays out there and it's kind of ominous. You you know what you might want to consider? And then I want to throw it back to Dean, but just why don't you consider doing it for, just do it for yourself. Forget about handing it in. Just go through the exercise of doing it and then take a look at it and say, hey, is it, does this feel right? And then if it does, then you hand it in. If not, then I, I'm not sure what to do at that point. But sometimes just doing something, um, it's like, a lot, and I'm, Dean, I'm sure you can attest to this. Sometimes when we, we're writers and we're like, we have this book on our head and the tough part is uh-huh. to get started. And once we get started and we do it, and we have it down on paper and look at it and like, okay, now it's a matter of editing. But it, the idea becomes, it starts to have a life of its own. But it's the doing, it's the doing that, that really uh, uh, is, uh, incites the whole thing from happening. Dean, pick up here. Right. Well, a, a, another thing that can be very helpful in this kind of situation is that when, when you realize or you suspect that the, um, the thoughts that you're hearing, those, you know, those are, as one of my teachers used to say, those thoughts, they're just thoughts. You know, it's not reality. Yeah. It's, just, it's just thoughts. And sometimes mm-hmm. it can be hard to see that because you're in the middle of the thoughts. But if you're lucky, if you've got, you happen to have some, you know, wonderful family or some wonderful friends, they're standing outside. They, and, and listen to what they're telling you because, I mean, I know I've been in situations where, you know, someone close to me will be saying, oh, this is, I don't think I can do this job. Okay, I'm going to take, I'm going to take on this new job, but I know I'm going to be fired. And I know you, you, every time you say you're going to be fired, they always wind up loving what you do. You do wonderful work. Um, yeah. So sometimes just listen, listen to the other people around you, and uh, because sometimes you you are the last one to have a clear perspective on what's going on with you. Well, I, I love what you just said, and Robert, what you said too is is amazing because I never thought about it from the point Good. of view of do it for yourself, and you know, and the first time I ever made honor roll, I thought my dad's going to be so proud. The second time I made honor roll, I was like, I'm proud of me for this. So, and, and so, Dean, I love what you said, too, because it makes me think if I'm listening to my own little voices inside my head instead of all the voices around me that saying that I can do it, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having success that way. So I thank so much, both right. of you, for your input. All right. Well, right good right, luck, right. Joe. And uh, remember, buddy, love yourself first, okay? Yes. Thank you so much. Good night. All right. Take care.
Okay. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Dean, for that. Uh, uh, I think it was good. I'm glad we got the, we got the call. Let's get back to yeah. your book. But, uh, you know, we were just putting your teachings in action. You talk about something that's very interesting and very uh, relevant, and that is the, co- the correlation between anger and, addition, and addic- addiction with fear and anxiety. Yeah. Could you? And it's, it's right. a part and parcel to the book. Talk to us a little bit about that, because I think these are things everybody faces. Yeah, I think it ultimately it's all based in fear. You know, we've got that primitive part of the, the lower brain, the lizard brain, which it's just, uh, it's just looking around all the time for where is the next threat to my survival going to come from. Now, we need that. We need that reptilian brain. But as human beings, we've got higher brain functions as well. Um, so that we can see more sophisticated perspectives on situations. What Mm -hmm. happens is when we feel that, oh, okay, I'm just one little lizard on the rock and the the next thing that comes along is going to smash me and it's going to be game over, then it's very natural that something that is not a real threat, you know, someone, um, for instance, if we get very identified with our political beliefs or our religious beliefs, whatever they might be. I mean, it's one thing, okay, I've got this religious belief and it's very beautiful. You know, I like, okay, I have these whatever Catholic beliefs or these, these Muslim beliefs and I draw great inspiration for them. That's great. God bless. But when, we, when your whole identity becomes wrapped up in that and then someone comes along with an, another belief and you feel that's a threat to you. So then, okay, I have to either convert this guy or kill him. Because, mm-hmm. because if I'm relating to him with my reptilian brain instead of my higher brain, then that's going to be my response. Anything that's not cooperating with my program, my beliefs, is a, is a threat to my very existence. So that is how it can mutate into anger, or if we can't figure out where the next threat is going to come from, then it becomes anxiety. Anxiety is free-floating. It's like, okay, I, I, I don't know what to be afraid of, so I've just kind of got this, this free-floating thing hovering all around me of anxiety. And then, you know, the, that whole situation can be so wearing on us that we start to self-medicate. So, okay, that's where the addiction comes in. Let me, yep. let me pour another shot. And then uh, everything gets kind of numb, and uh, it's not so unbearable. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Um, something that's very top of mind for everybody, and particularly, like, listen, you're, I know you're from the East Coast. You're from Jersey, I believe, right? Uh, I lived in Jersey for a lot of years. I taught school and, and ran meditation programs there. That's right, okay. But, I'm, I've, uh, been, but... I've been back and forth between the coasts uh, a few times. Okay. Um, well, it's the smartphone addiction. I mean, here in New York, you yes. can't walk down the street without having to kind of zigzag around people because everybody's staring at their phone. They get off the subway. They're walking off the, up the stairs. They can't even get up the stairs without, you know, without their phone right. on, walking down the street, crossing the street, everything. It's a minefield. And I'm sure in California, everybody's texting while they're driving. But uh, yes, how, how do, what's your point of view on um, how, addressing that? Yeah, no, and it really is addiction. Uh, in fact, in, in the book, I, I have one chapter on what we usually think of as addiction, which is drugs and alcohol and, 
and you know sex addiction, food addiction, and then a whole separate chapter on iPhone addiction. Um, Let me interject one point. Let me interject one point as part of this. What clicked for me on this subject was I used to have a boss and I'd be in meetings and we had been very important advertising meetings. And this guy would pull out his phone and he'd be looking at the phone. And I knew I I talked to him one time. I said, what do you really want here? He's like, I want to be rich. And he, that was like a really bad answer, in my opinion, because it was just about the end result. And I always thought that that he was looking for his phone because he was he was anxious that he was waiting for this special message to come through that was going to save him from his lot in life. He wasn't a very happy guy. So let me right. just toss that your way, because I think it's part and parcel to what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Robert, I think that's a really good insight because it's like. Okay, so, you know, the, the phone is a gateway to the whole world. You know, you could, in, in principle, get an email or a text or a piece of news about anything from anyone. So it's, you know, we ha- as human beings, we, we always have this, this drive and this hope that one way or another, Santa Claus is going to show up on my doorstep with a big pot exactly. of gold for me. Right. And so and now they or come sliding down the chimney. And in a way, you know, like the smartphone is the new chimney. And so, uh, you know, yeah, I, right. I go, you know, my wife is a, is a, is a film editor. She's in the, the film industry here in, in LA. We go to a lot of movies, a lot of screening, and we're both movie nuts. And you get people sitting in the movies with their, with their phones yeah. on, which is just, I mean, that's just rude, but it's like they can't, or, or if they manage to get through the hour and a half or two hours of the movie, the moment the, credits end. If it's a good movie, you know, it's taken me somewhere. It's transported me kind of to another place. And I want to sit there and enjoy that place. And the moment the credits start at the end, you see people flipping their phones on. It's like, okay, give me the next fix. Give me the next stimulation, the next Mm -hmm. possibility of something that's going to change things. The other thing is it's so rude. I mean, particularly if you're in meetings with people or if you're at dinner or whatever and somebody's always checking their phone, it's like, Come on, you got to be present. You know, you yeah. can put, put that aside for now. And we're, we're all, we've all been guilty of it. Um, yes. Yeah, how, so, so how, how do you help break that habit? Yeah. Well, the, actually, my my chapter about this is titled "Meditating with the iPhone Zero. So <laughs> yeah. what? So what I do is I take. You know, you can't tell people don't be like that. Don't don't be. You have to start where people are. So I start where people are with their phones and flip it over into a meditative method. So here's the method. Now I'll summarize what, what's in the chapter. What you do is the next time you're, you're in a situation where there's a lull, and you know that reflex that people have, the moment there's a lull, the, the conversation stops or you're, suddenly you have to stand in line at, at the pharmacy to get your prescription filled or something, and your hand immediately goes into your pocket to reach for your phone. It's just an ingrained habit for, for millions of people now. And it goes, okay, get me, let me get a, a little you know, squirt of, of stimulation here. Let me, let me stimulate my nervous system a little. Let me get another possibility of the, the, the pot of gold coming down the chimney here. So what you do is, the next time that happens, the lull happens, you find yourself reaching for your phone, don't do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's simple. That's just tie yourself to the mask, and you're going to have something inside you that's going to say, yeah, but, 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 wait, 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 maybe I'm missing something. <laughs> 
something, maybe something. Exactly. You're going to feel this big wave of anxiety. Fine. Let the wave of anxiety roll over you. And just know that the wave of anxiety is just a wave of anxiety. And, and let it roll over you. And once that wave passes, you're going to discover a new experience on the, on the, the other side of that wave of anxiety. It's what's called peace. Mm-hmm. What's called, yep. be, as you said, being present and just being okay. I'm standing in line at the pharmacy. I'm just standing in line at the pharmacy. And that's cool. I don't need anything else. I don't need to distract myself from the here and now. I can just kind of marinate in the here and now. Great answer. I love it. Um, we don't have too much time, but I want to touch on some of the key points. You uh, are you, you're an expert with uh, natural meditation, and you call it your core practice. And I think that's, if anything, we want people to get out of uh, this podcast is understanding how, how that your core practice works and how they can incorporate that and start that in their life, their day-to-day. Right. Right. So, so two key things here. The first is that most people think of meditation as, okay, I have to try to make my mind blank. I have to try to focus or concentrate. Try this, try that. The moment you have that concept of trying, it's self-defeating. Because trying is, 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 is unsettles you. Trying is, 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 is creating more agitation. How, how can I you know, get less agitation by creating more agitation? So natural meditation means instead of pushing, allowing yourself to be pulled. Now, mm-hmm. how do you do that? It's, it's, it's so simple, I, and I walk people through it in the book. Also, if people come to my website, there's a page there that, called Meditate Now, where I have, and it's completely free. You can stream. It's audio tracks, which you can stream right from the page, and where I walk you through the meditation. You sit down for 15 minutes, and I walk you through the meditation and so that you can – because sometimes it's easier, especially at first, to if you've got someone else who's kind of, you know, driving the bus, then you can just sit back in the seat and, and relax and be along for the ride. So I invite people to come. Again, the website is Fearless. And by the way, the, the title of the book is not Fearless, because that's another impossible goal, being fearless. I'm not fearless, but we don't have to be. We just fear less. So the website is fearlessbook.net. I want to ask you one last question, if you can hang in there just for a moment. Uh, At the end of the book, you talk about the fear of death. And, you know, in my opinion, uh, the fear of death is something that permeates uh, people's anxieties and fears way earlier than at the point of uh, transition. And um, unless you have experienced um, a moment where you're looking into the void, you don't realize that uh, how important and how helpful that can be when you don't know if you're going to live. I've had something like that happen myself and it changed everything. And I'm on a 2.0 now and I have the fear has gone and uh, fear can cause cancer. Fear can cause a lot of disease. Fear can really get in the way. And uh, one of the things and the most prevalent thing that people are afraid of is is death because of, uh, you know, if they're really religious, like a lot of people think they are, they shouldn't be afraid. I personally, mm-hmm. after all the spiritual studying I've done, and I'm sure you've done more, more even more, is that, you know, we never die. Uh, but how, how can people cope with the whole notion of fear? It's such a big thing. And how can we fear less? Right. Well... You're, you're right. In fact, near the end of the book, I have a chapter called 
the, the valley of the shadow. Yep. You know, uh, and then a lot of people know that that from the from the song, you know, lo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I I will not fear. What's interesting to me there is that the song doesn't say the valley of death. Death is not the problem. It's the valley of the shadow of death. It's the mm-hmm. shadow, the anticipation that the idea of death kind of casts over our mind. Because no one has ever experienced death. Death, death means you stop experiencing. So, right. so uh, to worry about death is to worry about something that, you, that no one has ever experienced and no one ever can experience. It's the, it's the, and, and I start that chapter with, because when I was seven years old in, in my household, there was no religion. There was no parent there to tell me, well, you're going to go to heaven with grandma and grandpa and everything will be fine. So I just, you know, tossed and turned in my bed and said, oh, man, I'm going to be under the ground with people walking around over my head. And that really helps to spur my spiritual quest. And what happens mm-hmm. in, in that is one of the things that, if you really stick with it, one of the things that happens in meditation, and I think everyone has had little glimpses of this. You know, times when you, for instance, a lot of, a lot of people when they do sports and they're familiar with going into the zone when you're, you know, playing hoops or when you're running or something, and that thing clicks and it's so wonderful and you just feel lighter than air and suddenly everything becomes effortless, everything becomes flow. And at that moment, if someone asks you, are you worried about dying? Are you worried about anything? And you would answer no, I guarantee. It's not that you've thought things through and suddenly now, okay, for reason X, Y, and Z, I'm not afraid of death anymore. But for some reason that you can't explain, you're in this place, in this zone where there's something, somehow there's an infinite okayness about everything, including life and death. Now, that infinite okayness that people experience when they're in the zone, that's also what you experience in meditation. And that's not just some odd state. That, it turns out to be, that's reality. That's why people like the Buddha and Socrates and, and, and Confucius and, and Jesus, they're not, you know, if we, you know, one thing we know about them is they don't have a bunch of anxiety about death. There's something that they know that makes it all okay, and everyone can dip into that place of okayness and learn to live from there. Fantastic. Dean, it's always a pleasure. Uh, Best of luck. The new book is fantastic. Fear Less, Living Beyond Fear, Anxiety, Anger, and Addiction. The website is deanwords.com. Anything else you want to tell our uh, listeners? Uh, yeah, come to, I'm going to be touring uh, all over the U.S. I'll be in New Jersey uh, in the, around the middle of next month teaching some workshops and a bookstore event. And if you go to my website, uh, whichever you can remember, deanwords.com or fearlessbook.net, they both will take you to the same place. And you'll find the uh, guided meditation audio tracks there and also my touring schedule. So if you live nearby any place that I'm going to be, Come by and see me. It would be great to see you, and we'll go deeper into these things. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Dean. All the best to you. You're doing great work. Keep it up, and uh, thank you for being our featured guest on Guys Guys Radio. Come back whenever you want, and uh, all the best in uh, Southern California. I'm jealous. (laughs) It's actually raining right now. Oh, really? (laughs) 
<laughs> That's still better. <laughs> but, we, but we need it. All right. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, Dean. I'll let you go, and uh, I'll move to a break here, and then I'll do my Guys, Guys, Guide, but I know you got to roll. So uh, thanks for being with us on Guys, Guys Thank Radio. You, Robert. Dean Cheers. Slider. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. It is 7.48 p.m. Eastern, so we're going to take a very quick break, and I'm going to come back and do a Guys, Guys, Guide, and then we'll wrap up. Okay, we're back. Um, as you know, I like to do my Guys Guys Guide once a week, and I usually cover something that has to do with a, a blog I've written or what's going on in my life or what's going on in uh, culture. And uh, this one, I, I write about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness. And this one, uh, I haven't written this up yet, but I'm going to do one about morning rituals because uh, getting the day started is really important The right if you do it the right way. And I'll just tell you what I do. I'm not saying it's right for everybody, but this is what I do. And uh, it only takes a few minutes. So as soon as I wake up, the first thing I do is say thank you. It's good to be appreciative. You know what? We don't know why we're here. We don't know what uh, we're supposed to be doing a lot of the time. But if you at least be grateful for the things that we have. In, you know, in the modern world, for most of us at least, you know, we have a roof over our head. We have running water. We have a lot of things we take for granted. Uh, you know, what? The deck, the deck of cards gave us a good hand. You could be in some impoverished uh, place in the world and be starving, and you're, you're not. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably doing okay because you've got an internet connection and you, you can listen. So be thankful. I also say to myself, uh, I am in alignment with my truth because really we want to be, that's the most important thing, to be in your truth. That means anything that's not in your quote-unquote truth falls away. And that's where we want to be, in a place where it's true and anything that's false. And that usually is based on where our over-logical mind, our conscious mind takes us. So when we just drop all that, then we are in, in alignment with our truth. I also get into uh, some affirma affirmations when I get out of bed. I do some stuff called wording, and that's from uh, Paul Selig wrote a book uh, he wrote about five books, but uh, the first one is called I Am the Word. And Word is really the, uh, I would call it a kind of the Christ Godhead consciousness. And it's really about recognizing the divinity in everything. So word becomes divinity. So I say, like, I am word through Sky Manny, who's my son, or I am word through uh, my finances, or I am word through. So I just word everything that's important in my life, my uh, past, my present, my future, individuals I deal with, businesses, my creations, everything. And it takes a few minutes, and I just roll through all of that every morning, whether I'm showering or whatever, uh, and I just do that mentally. The other thing I do is just a, a physical thing that I do is when I get up, I have a tablespoon of organic coconut oil, and I swish it around in my mouth for about 20 minutes. And what that does, it, it removes a lot of bacteria and a lot of plaque from your body through your oral cavity. And uh, you just swish it around and it's really good for your gum health. Also, I spit it into the garbage can. You don't want to spit it into the sink uh, because it could coagulate and block up the, the drain. But um, it sounds crazy, but once you start doing it, it's like second nature. So I have a jar, it's filled with the coconut oil, just dip in there and swish. And a swish, swish, swish. And then after the 20 minutes I spit out, then I rinse out with salt water. 
And uh, that takes, you know, about 15 seconds. And after that, I have a big glass of water and I'll put one of the following things in that big glass of water. So I haven't had anything else. And I take a huge glass of water and I fill it with either a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar or pascalite clay or fresh squeezed organic lemon. And there's different benefits for all three of those. Uh, the a- apple cider vinegar has uh, it helps regulate your blood sugar. It helps with your weight. It's, it's got, you just Google apple cider vinegar be- benefits. There's always articles on it. There's lots of things it does. It's good for your gut health. Uh, it prevents, uh, it helps heal leaky gut. And it's just good for you. And plus drinking the big glass of water, uh, not ice cold, just room temperature water, just drinking that down. The first thing, it irrigates your organs. It gets you, it kind of gets your body, the, the engine started, lubricates it. And, you know, it's, studies have proven that uh, up to 80% of Americans are dehydrated or uh, chronically dehydrated. So we don't drink enough water. We don't take in enough uh, liquid. So starting the day with that one big glass of water, well, you know, at least you got that as a start off. Uh, Lemon water also very, very good for you. And the clay, the Pascalite clay, which I take, and I I rotate through these. It's from Wyoming and I did a lot of research on it. And basically what the clay does, it pulls out a lot of uh, toxins from your colon, including a lot of heavy metals and radiation stuff that we accumulate uh, by just living in the modern world. So that pulls things out of there. And uh, also all these things I find keep me regular uh, in a good way. Um, so, so many people are constipated and, uh, by drinking a big glass of water early in the day, it's usually a good way to kind of get things moving, if you will. Um, I rinse out again, because if you have the apple cider vinegar, you, uh, if you leave it in your mouth, sometimes it can wear down on your enamel. So you want to rinse out again. And, uh, then I'll go take a shower and rinse my mouth out with regular water in there and, uh, uh, if I maybe do a little exercise, if I have time, if not, just head out the door. And I, the other thing I try to do is imagine uh, sending out, and this is very powerful. And I think this comes back to people in a really positive way. I imagine a pink light coming out from my kind of heart chakra area. And I just visualize the entire globe and I go around the whole world as I'm walking or wherever I'm headed and uh, imagining sending this pink light of love everywhere to everybody to everything on this planet and then around the entire planet and uh and then i'm ready to go uh all my check marks are there and i feel fantastic so anyhow i'm not saying that's for you i'm not saying that's for anybody this is what i do and it really helps me i think if you did any of those things it couldn't there's i don't see any negatives there from having gratitude aligning with your truth having some affirmations Organic coconut oil, swishing that around. A big glass of water with uh, a, a apple cider vinegar, clay, or fresh squeezed organic lemon in it. And then sending out pink light of love to the world, to everybody, everywhere, recognizing the divinity and all of mankind. So this is Robert Manny. This is our show, Guys Guys Radio. We're, we're here for you. We're here about uh, better men, better world. We're here for men and for the women who love them. And uh, I love doing the show. This is our 268th broadcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Block Talk Radio. You can download for free. I would ask you, if you for kindly, if you like the show, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. It makes a big difference. You can find me on my website, robertmanny.com. 
M-A-N-N-I. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. The novel that started this whole Guys Guys movement is called The Guys Guys Guide to Love. And uh, you can catch it in some bookstores still, but it's uh, basically you can find it easily on Amazon. You can get the physical book or the ebook. So I thank you for the sh- for listening, uh, being a part of the audience. Uh, you guys have been great. It spurs me on. I have so many fantastic guests. I'm getting a free education by doing this show, so I'm so appreciative of it, and I love doing it. So thank you, audience. Thank you, everybody. And as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first.